If you're here, it's because you want to think seriously about your own formation as a kingdom leader. I'm Kevin Minoy, and I invite you to participate in the diverse community of Christian leaders, both anchored and reaching in the work of God. Hang on while we push deep into the crevices of leadership formation, whether as a pastor, educator, organizational leader, or business person. Let's go. Anchored and reaching is a theme that permeates all of these broadcasts, all of these episodes, and all of the video series that we're doing. And I'm hoping that you're capturing the spirit of that paradigm in the individual episodes that we're talking about. So I want to welcome you back to this particular series called Generous Engagement. How do we engage an increasingly pluralistic and changing culture as kingdom people who are anchored in our identity as children of God, sent ones of God, and yet reaching as God is wanting us to, to restore all things back to himself. So this paradigm of anchored and reaching is kind of guiding everything we're talking about. And in this particular uh, series, this particular uh, series of episodes, we're talking about generous engagement. And you understand that this engagement that I'm talking about is the essential definition of bringing who we are into connection with the culture and community around us. It is the what we are here to do. You see, we're defined as the people of God, but we're also to make known God in all circumstances, or to put it in different terms that we find in scripture, to bring the kingdom near, as Jesus himself said. And we become the hands and feet of Jesus. We become the extended ministry of Jesus to bring the kingdom near. So how do we do that in a way that is representative of who we are? And that means being generous in our engagement. The last two episodes, uh, or three episodes, I've talked to you about why we engage. I've talked to you about uh, two principles in the previous two. First of all, I talked to you about being centered more than bounded. And uh, then the last episode, we talked about being more descriptive than prescriptive in this generous engagement. And I'm hoping that you're taking time to think about this in your own life and in your own experiences and maybe finding moments that, 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 that are defining moments for you. Uh, and I hope today uh, in this one, in this episode, that you'll also reflect deeply and find some defining moments when what we're gonna talk about today will find expression as well. So the third of these key principles to continue in the final uh, episode of this series the third principle that I want to share with you is this idea that we are more relational than propositional. When we commit ourselves to generous engagement, it's going to slide us into more of a posture of being relational instead of or more than uh, focusing on the propositions. Now, remember what I've said numerous times before, listen to my language. It is, we tend to be 
more than. In other words, this is not binary. It's not either or. It's not um, relational versus propositional uh, in Christian faith. It is on this continuum, we tilt in the direction of being relational more than propositional as we commit ourselves to generous engagement. And there are some reasons for this. When you think about how we engage people, there are a variety of ways we can do that. We could engage someone who's different than us by approaching them and telling them how they are different from us and why how they are different from us somehow falls short. Well, you can imagine what that's going to result in. I mean, you're, if you're not going to get slapped in the face, you're certainly going to get the cold shoulder and uh, they're going to ghost you if they happen to be your friend at any time. So we don't tend to approach uh, people that way. Although I must admit that there are people in the church around the world in various churches, maybe you know some, but maybe you are one of these that says, I need to get the propositional truth of the gospel of Jesus into their thinking. And you do that by telling them what that is and how that opposes their current pattern of thinking. In other words, it becomes a polemical. It becomes an argumentative situation. And, and, and who can win the argument? I know more about this and I'm going to defeat your position intellectually or propositionally. That becomes an intellectual exercise and it becomes a debate. Um, unfortunately, a lot of what we today call apologetics has taken on that defensive posture uh, in defending our faith against the encroachment of the world. You can even hear this oppositional feel in all of that language. And so what we strive to do in many of our Christian institutions is to build what some people might call build a seawall against the, the incoming tide of culture around us. Well, uh, that kind of defensive, oppositional, uh, argumentative debate is really not going to help us if we're committing to being engaged generously with our culture. Uh, now, that does not mean that it, there isn't a place for that. And it doesn't mean that the principles behind that don't have a place in our thinking. The question is, in our missional or missiological engagement, how do we use what we believe in our minds and in our hearts about God, about Christ, and about our Christian faith? So a lot of apologetics has almost become a tool to argue people or to defeat people uh, or the world in convincing them that they're wrong and Christians are right. Better if apologetics really fulfill what I think is the origin of apologetics, that is, to give an apologia, to give a defense, to give an understanding, or better, better worded maybe, to give an explanation for the faith that is within us, you see. And often, as Paul did, trusting God in the moment to allow the character of who we are as believers to come through our expression in the moment, in the circumstance, to explain to others 
who we are as Christ followers, kingdom citizens, uh, as Christians, rather than study to get our argumentation correct, to get the logical sequence all lined up so that if so-and-so asks this question, I can give him this answer and defeat his opposition or defeat his idea. That kind of, that kind of polemical, uh, adversarial debating is, tends to be less part of generous engagement, really, than a more relational tilt. Let me explain what I mean by a relational approach. If a proposition is based on a doctrine or a theory or a, uh, um, a truth that we have intellectually come to believe, then we are inherently beginning to define the truth of Christian faith in propositional form. On the other hand, I think we all know that Really, truth is not a proposition. Truth is a person. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth, you see. And people have been asking that question for centuries. What really is truth? Well, we as believers believe that truth is a person more than a proposition. If truth is a person, then the question becomes, how do we introduce this person to those people or that culture in the way that they will understand and relate to, you see? So it starts with the premise that truth is a person embodied in the person of Jesus Christ. And to the extent that we are Christ followers, disciples of Jesus, we then become, in part, the embodiment of God's truth for the world. Now you think about the burden and the importance of that kind of understanding. You are Christ to the world. When you take communion, you are internalizing the elements of communion, the body and the blood of Jesus. You are internal, you are saying, may I become Christ to the world, you see. It's not, may I have certain doctrine that I take and convince the world that they're wrong and this is right. It is, may I become Christ to the world. Truth is a person, and we embody, we internalize that truth to the point that we now become that truth embodied to our culture. When you think about relating to truth as a person, it's very different than relating to propositions. Now, again, please hear me. There are propositional elements, or there is a rational dimension to the truth of God through Jesus Christ. But it starts, that's why I say it's more than, it is, it tends to be more relational. It starts with truth as a person. And when you relate to a person, you relate to them differently than you do a proposition. If I were to say to you, for example, <clears throat> that all cats run east on Tuesday afternoon, and that, I would give you that proposition, and you imagine in your mind uh, this scenario playing out. If I gave you that proposition, I wrote it on a whiteboard, and I said, now I want you to analyze and get to know that proposition. You're going to study that. And if I were to ask you what are the faculties or the abilities that you have that you would use to get to know that proposition, uh, you would likely 
start using all of your intellectual faculties to get to know that proposition. And you would probably start by testing it. In other words, you would say, I'm going to go look at a cat on Tuesday afternoon and see if they run east. Uh, I'm going to get a group of cats and I'm going to see if Tuesday afternoon if they start running east. I'm going to poll people. You know, you're going to use surveys, you're going to use testing principles, and you are going to attempt to empirically verify or <clears throat> falsify uh, uh, my contention, my proposition that all cats run east on Tuesday afternoon. More importantly than even how you go about testing it and analyzing it, what, what your starting point is that you doubt me. In other words, when I make that statement to you, immediately in your mind, you say, mm, I'm really not sure that that's true at all. I doubt that Kevin is correct in that statement, and I'm going to go prove it. I'm going to, in essence, debate with Kevin, and I'm going to use my intellectual faculties, and I'm going to empirically show that what he says is not true. I'm going to defeat his proposition with my argument, you see. So you start from a position of doubt and you attempt to debate or to overwhelm my proposition with information that you have gathered that shows that it's not true. Now, <clears throat> if, on the other hand, I were to say to you, here is Steve Harris, and I'm going to put Steve Harris in a chair in front of you, and I'm going to ask you to get to know Steve. Um, you would employ very different methods, right? How would you get to know Steve? Well, if you're in the same room, you're sitting in a chair across the room from him, uh, you're probably going to start asking questions of him right? You're going to start talking to him. You're going to ask him questions about his history, his upbringing, his past, because you don't know. You see, you don't know everything, and you want to ask Steve to get to know him, right? So you start asking in order to gain more understanding. And then there will come a point where you're asking him to tell his story. And then you're going to tell your story to him because we understand that we know to the extent that we are known. You know, there's a, there's a famous writer, Parker Palmer, writes about this. We, we, we are able to know to the extent that we are known. So you open yourself to him and as you open yourself, yourself, you engage in this sharing of story as a way to get to know Steve. And there comes a point where you might even say, hey, I want to buy you a cup of coffee. Or let's go to lunch. And you hang out, you spend time together, you talk, you ask questions, you break bread together. You do all of these things in one another's company in order to get to know him. And what's interesting is all of that starts not from a posture of doubt, but from a posture of desire. I want to get to know Steve. I desire to get to know Steve. And, and the faculties that you use to get to know him 
are very relational faculties. Now, does that mean that there's not intellectual activity going on? Of course not. You're thinking and you're integrating your thinking into your behavior and your experience and your patterns of, of relating begin to be shaped and your thinking is shaped by your experience of learning and growing, you see, you relate to Steve to get to know him very differently than how you get to know the proposition that I gave you that all cats run east on Tuesdays, you see. If we start from the belief or the posture that somehow the gospel of Jesus is simply a collection of propositional truths and doctrines, we will result in a polemical debate and we will use intellectual faculties to try to get to know that proposition. Conversely, if you understand that truth is inherently a person, you are going to relate to that person with relational patterns of behavior, exposing yourself out of a sense of desire, not doubt. Our Christian faith begins with a person. That person is Jesus Christ. Our engagement with culture is to people. They are people. And we are bringing one person into connection with another and doing it in relational terms. Generous engagement will be more relational than propositional. I pray that you will find moments when you can see yourself engaging from a relational starting point as a way to bring the kingdom near. God bless you as you move forward in generous engagement. Let me encourage you that who you are is more important than what you do. The lure of defining yourself by your performance is stronger than you might think. So join me in upcoming weeks as we explore the whole leader God created you to be.